you're here, and I'm here, and his, this is the advert. It's uh, a book that I've got this week, and it's really, really good so far. It's by a gentleman called Alec Motaya. And I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him, but he's a really sort of scholar. He sort of knows this stuff. And I think he's 92 at the moment. And this book came out in January. And it's a fresh translation of the book of Psalms. So he's 92 and he's translating the Psalms. And he's got his notes written down and he's got like pauses for thought. So it's very devotional. And yet it's got an academic bent as well. So it's really good. Already he's sort of got lots of books out on preaching. And there's a similar book on Isaiah that he has as well. So it's well worth looking into, and there's details on the website, of course, about him and uh, this book. But it's really good. It's a devotional book that you, I think you might enjoy. Maybe some of you, if you've been looking and using this over the last few weeks, you might have read the psalm that we're looking at today on Thursday. Because on Thursday, if you were using it, or maybe you looked at another psalm as well, but that's equally as good, uh, we looked at Psalm 19, and that's what we're thinking about this morning, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And that was the NIV. Sounds like a bit of a paradox though, doesn't it? I read out, they have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. But then in the next verse, verse 4, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And I was thinking about silence and maybe how perhaps in this world there isn't a lot of silence around, is there? Because even if we're quiet and we go into a room and there's someone there, we know how they feel usually, don't we? Like, I'm looking around today and I can see how you feel. Smiling. Most of you are, especially now I'm looking at you and you know I am. You can't help it, can you, but just sort of think, that's what's happening. And it's just like you've been saying with... Uh, our emotions, we sort of thought about, yes, in the book of Psalms, we're going to be seeing all people's emotions and see what it's like. But it's still true of ourselves as well, isn't it? That if we perhaps just have an emotion on our face, we may not say anything out loud, but what's the saying? A picture says a thousand words, isn't it? So I've got some slides I want you to look at. You don't need to give me a thousand words about each one, but all I want you to do is tell me what emotion do they have. You're not going to hear anything, but I think you can hear something. It's a paradox. How does he feel? I thought when I looked at this, He's laughing. Ha, 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 sort of. Can you see that? Not very clearly. Right, just like last week then. Does someone want to switch just that light off? And that would be good, because it's beautiful when the sun shines, but it does have one disadvantage. I can't think of any more, but that's the disadvantage. We can't really see it. Some, oh, look at that. 
So he's having a chortle of a time, isn't he? Maybe, I think someone said he was in pain or something, but I can see that now. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, I, I looked at it and I thought, eh, 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 he's a laughing policeman, isn't he? But he's just undercover. <laughs> right. How about this one? This is a very different emotion. What's the emotion? Yeah. So what sound, if, if the sound was turned up on this, what would you hear? Yeah. Dramatic drill. That's what a child's like sometimes, isn't it? Sort of going like that. So you can't hear anything. All you can see is a picture. But just by looking at it, we can understand what they're feeling, what this little lad is feeling. What are they feeling like? Excited. Yeah. We're going there. We've done it. Leicester's won. Something like that, isn't it? So that's how they're feeling, because everything's going their way. They're thinking everything is great. So, we sometimes, just like the psalm was saying in the NIV, perhaps there's no words, but we understand what's being said. Because it's obvious. We can see by the picture, we know how they're feeling. Here's another version. This is from The Voice. It's not as uh, new as the one I showed you earlier. It's from about three or four years ago, called The Voice. And again, it's Psalm 19. It says, The celestial realms announce God's glory. The skies testify of his hand's great work. Each day pours out more of their sayings. Each night, more to hear and more to learn. Inaudible words are their manner of speech and silence their means to convey. Yet from here to the ends of the earth, their voices have gone out. The whole world can hear what they say. Now, you might have noticed, with both of those things, the voice, and when I read out the NIV, I missed out something very important. And I didn't mean to, actually. It was like, I just missed it out by accident. So what did I miss out? The title, yes, indeed. Because in the NIV it says, for the director of music, a psalm of David. In the voice, it says, for the worship leader, a song of David. And in different versions, it says different things. So some might call him the director of music, the worship leader, the chief musician, the choir director, the choir master. But if you can remember what we were thinking about a few weeks ago, when we first started thinking about the psalms, The Psalms were, most people think, put together because of the Second Temple being built. The Israelites had been exiled for 70 years and their first temple had been destroyed. And then in about 516 BC, they built the new temple. So what do you need if you have a new temple? You've got to worship God because that's what the temple is all about, isn't it? Worshipping God there. So many people think that around 516 BC or thereabouts, a new collection of Psalms was put together. So Psalms were there already, but they were just brought together so they were easier to get hold of and understand. And of course, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, because that lasted quite a while, didn't it? There's a Hebrew verb. It says, mesaparim, mesaparim. And it's this, about announcing, because it means to tell, to preach, recount, relate, make known, announce, proclaim or declare. And the thing is that the sky 
can be seen by everybody in the world. Wherever you are, unless you're in a sort of uh, cave, I'm thinking of some things where you can't see the sky now, but generally speaking, you can, wherever you are in the world, see the sky, can't you? Not everybody can see a mountain, or a forest, or the ocean, or something like that, but everybody on the earth, generally speaking, can see the sky. So when it's saying that the sky and the heavens are declaring the glory of God, you think, yeah, that's great, because everyone can understand, everyone can see that God is alive, God is doing things. And it's his character and his actions that we can see by the sky. It sort of says such a lot, just like when we had those pictures of the people having different emotions. So the sky tells us all kinds of things. It can't be by chance, can it, that the world was made. When you look at the sky, you just think, wow, the colours, the clouds, the rainbow. You just think, wow, God had his hand in it. It's brilliant. And that's interesting because at the end of verse 1 in the NIV, I read about the work of his hands, and it says that in some other ones as well. But other, um, other translations say, what his hands have made, his hands great work, or his craftsmanship. But the King James Version and the RSV and the ESV, they say his handiwork. And I'm not a DIY person at all. But for some people that are DIY people, they talk about their handiwork, don't they? Oh, I've done some shelving over the weekend, or did some tiling, or I laid some carpet. We're talking about Leicester very briefly earlier, winning whatever they might win, the Premier League. But our creativity, our handymanship, is nothing in comparison to God's. Is it? God made the heavens, God made the earth. We might do a bit of tiling at the weekend. It's not the same, is it? But it's just interesting that the King James uses the same version. I see the skies as like a royal standard, a divine standard maybe. So whenever you sort of buy Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle or Sandringham, any of these places where the Queen uh, sort of lives sometimes, you will know if the Queen's there by one good reason, won't you? One good thing will show you. Jan, tell us. The flag. What sort of flag will you see if the Queen's in? There's a bit of a disagreement, I think, going on here. So, the royal standard. Right, so if we see that the Queen's in, the royal standard is on. You might have seen her on Thursday, and there was even a royal standard on her cars. When she was in her cars, the royal standard was on. I think the sky is God's divine standard. It's saying, I'm alive, I love you, I'm here. The Queen's in various places, her royal standard goes up when we see that. But we can see the sky is saying, I'm alive and I love you, because he does. So wherever we look at the sky, we can say, Lord, thank you for your love for us. The sky is really saying, God is mighty. God is skillful. God is creative. It's not saying, I'm beautiful. Look at me. Look at my twinkling stars. Look at how I have all these clouds. The sky isn't saying that at all. The sky isn't saying, look at me. The sky says, 
Look who made me. Look at God. Look at what he's done. He's brilliant. Look at this picture. I know what I see. Where is your eye drawn to? And some of you will have seen this before. Where's your eye drawn to? (laughs) Well, I did consider putting that shirt on today. But no, hopefully what you see at the top is the, the... Sunset, beautiful, romantic, excellent, lovely. And that was in Turkey. But it's the sunset, the beauty of it all that we look at. And that's what our eyes are drawn to for most people. (laughs) But it's good not to be most people, eh, Jeff? Yeah, that's good. So our eyes can be drawn to different things. But to me, it's the sunset, the sun, the colours, the things that are there. Of course, the trouble with the sky, we're saying it's silent, but it speaks so many different things. So the sky isn't just saying beauty and loveliness. The sky can also say these kind of things. It can say tsunami, earthquake, volcanoes. And I wonder how we feel about that. Does does that draw us closer to God? When sort of, perhaps not in the aftermath so much, but when these things are happening, there's something happening in the sky quite often to reflect what's going on. So I've never obviously been in a tsunami or anything like that, but I wonder what the sky's like when a tsunami is sort of coming to the, uh, to the shoreline. And when there's an earthquake, is it sort of different? I don't know. I've never been in an earthquake. Everyone been in an earthquake? Tremor, yeah. So, I don't know, I'm just thinking, I wonder what the sky suggests. I know on a nice day, and a beautiful sky, you just think, oh, life's great, God's with me, everything's lovely. But when there's harder things, more foul things happening, I wonder how we feel about it then. But wouldn't it be terrible if we only felt close to God in the good times? when there was a sunset, when it was a nice gin and tonic time with someone you really like and things like that. Or what's it like if it is an earthquake happening? Can we feel close to God like then? God's with us still. The thing I've found very interesting over the last few days, I've been thinking about telescopes. And apparently telescopes were invented about 400 years ago by a Dutchman, perhaps, but people don't really know. Think about it, 3,000 years ago, when this psalm was written, how much of the sky you could see. All you could see was with the naked eye, couldn't you? So you'd just see the clouds and the lovely sunsets, or whatever it might be, the sunshine and the twinkling skies. Sorry, I can't help but do this, because when I was young, we went twinkle, twinkle, little star. So when I say twinkling, think about the stars, I often do this, it's just... I've been doing it for years, so, so that's what all that's, that's about. But coming back to this, if we can see using a telescope now, aren't the skies so much more brilliant, so much more interesting? Because we see so much more of what the skies are like, of what the planets are like, because we can, can't we? Technology, science helps us to see what the Earth is like and what beyond is like 
And so perhaps I was thinking, I wrote it down, I wonder, can our worship be even more loud, explosive and heartfelt due to the development of science than when the Israelites first used this psalm? So they're saying, the heavens declare the glory of God. And all they could see is the sun and a few stars twinkling. Yeah, so they'd see more stars. I know when I've been in other countries, you see the stars twinkle a lot more, don't you, than sort of when you're in an Eton. But can you imagine it? What we are like now, the difference is we can see so much more light years away. We can see so much more than with just the naked eye. I wonder what God feels like when we discover a little bit more of the universe. He knows all of it. He knows how many planets there are, how many solar systems, how many black holes, all those sort of things. Maybe when we're sort of working on some telescope or some satellite or something so we can understand a bit more of what's going on, maybe he says to the angels, I bet 35% of the population is going to grin from ear to ear because of that discovery. Do you think that could happen? Or am I just going on my merry way of just thinking about things a bit that don't happen? I think he talks to the angels about, about us and about all kinds of stuff. And they're worshipping him and they're saying, oh, God is great and we're holy, holy, holy. And yet, we learn so much more because of science and good things. We know so much more than when the Bible was written. I think it's incredible. Verse 4, by the way, of Psalm 19 is quoted by Paul in Romans 10, verse 18, if you want to look that up at some time. Now, I think very strongly that everybody here can sing. Now, it's all right, because I'm not going to ask you to sing. Not on your own at all, or anything like that. But I bet some of you think Christianity, or church, is just full of singing. And maybe heaven's going to be full of singing, and you just think, oh, I don't want to be singing, it's not my thing. I want to do other things, and... uh, I want to sort of think about other things this morning that worship might be. Worship might be singing a little bit and talking a little bit. But what I want us to do is to think about the stars reflecting God's glory and then from there think about what we can do. Because what would happen if we couldn't speak or we couldn't sing? Could we still worship God? Let's all nod our heads. Yes, we definitely could. We could still worship even if we were mute. So what I want us to think about is, how do we worship God collectively? Or, here's another question, what is our vocabulary for worship like? Okay, I'm going to explain it as we go along, because you might think, vocabulary for worship? I don't mean this. We could use some really nice words talking to God. I love thee exceedingly, my God. Lord, thou art incomparable. Gracious God, every facet of your character is ineffable. Sovereign of my life, I esteem you. We could say all that, and that's all very nice, and there's a place for it. But we, we talk in other ways as well, don't we? And what we want to do is think about some of these other ways. It's not even, today, thinking about Hebrew words. Maybe in the future you might want to look some of these up and think what they might mean in the guise of praise and worship. If we're not doing Hebrew, we'd better not do Greek either, had we? There's all these words in Greek that we could look at, and it helps us to understand what worship is about. So what do we want to think about? 
what is our vocabulary for worship like? If we weren't singing, what would we be doing? Here's a good one. Barbara, you're great. It's great waving our banners and things like that. And there's definitely things from the Bible where people wave their banners. And it was brilliant. So that could be part of our vocabulary. Not just singing, but not twinkling, twinkling anymore, but waving our banners. That's what we could be. What about this one? It's great being at the front sometimes, because as well as closing your eyes and worshipping and concentrating on what you're playing, sometimes you have a bit of a glance around and people are sort of putting their hands in the air saying, Lord, I surrender, you're wonderful, Lord. That can be our vocabulary. So if we're not speaking, we can still be saying, Lord, I love you, love you, you're amazing, I give you my all. Here I am, I surrender to you. What about this one? We don't do that very much, do we? Because it's always easier to get down than up, I found, anyway, isn't it? But we don't really kneel. But maybe at home, you could raise your banners. We could do it together. Maybe at home, we could kneel before God. Because that says a lot. Again, it's our body language saying things that perhaps not audibly we're saying, but our body is saying. What about this? Julie Andrews, I could have danced all night. Is this people dancing? Maybe when you're at home, do you dance a little bit? Let's watch a video of someone dancing to God. Look at the back. Hey, now, you know what? I can't play the guitar. But, do you see what it's like? We could worship God with just all our energy, no inhibitions, and sort of say, oh, happy, and all this, couldn't we? Because, because we don't have to be like this. We can worship God freely. We're friends. We like each other here, don't we? We can just go for it if we want to. That can be in our vocabulary. So it's not just doing this as dancing, but it's really going for it and getting in the aisle and saying, Lord, I want to worship you like David did and just, yay, everything's great. Lord, you're marvellous. Even when life can be difficult, Lord, I know you're there. What about just opening our hands to God? when you're at home 
or when you're here, Lord, I have nothing. Lord, you are everything. I give everything to you. Be still and know that I am God. That can be our vocabulary as well. We can be still. We don't have to hurry away. We can be frantic in life sometimes, but we can be very calm. We can be very still. We can decide, Lord, I'm going to give you half an hour. I'm just going to open my arms, my heart, my life to you. I want to hear you speak to me. Perhaps we're not silent enough. In music, we know what that means, some of us. That means silence. Or does it? We're going to listen to a piece of music. And just for maybe 20 seconds, I want you to think, what instruments can you hear? Go back to the very beginning, that'll be great. Fantastic, thank you, Ham. Now look at this. I bet you knew when you were coming to church this morning, you were going to do some analysis of a music score, didn't you? Did you think that was going to be good? Look at how many of those rectangles there are there. Loads of them. Because Beethoven was a brilliant composer, but he didn't put all his eggs in one basket, did he? Because it could have been that he had this fabulous tune, you know the one that we just heard, sort of... So he could have made everybody do that right from the start. But who's doing it? What have we got? We've got the strings and the clarinet. Because Beethoven was brilliant. He maybe had 40 people in the orchestra before he was sort of composing. But then when he started doing it, he got to about 70, 80. So he expanded the orchestra. But the thing is, he didn't get everyone playing all at the same time. He had a few people playing get our interest, and it was shocking at the time when this was first uh, sort of premiered, but all these other symbols are playing. It's not just the, mu- the musicians are silent and just... They're really thinking about the music. Even if they're not playing as such audibly, they're thinking, they're looking at the conductor. Maybe they're feeling what the other musicians are doing. So even then, they're not being silent, really... They're listening, they're doing, but it's just there's no sound coming out of them. I love Beethoven. He's great. So let's think about other expressions. So all the instruments aren't playing together. What can be the rest of our vocabulary? Let's expand what we think worship is about. Ringing someone up, asking how they are. That's worship. That's an act of service to God. 
Digging someone's garden. It's an act of worship. Looking after your grandchildren or your children. That's an act of worship. Helping people take their tablets, especially if they've got a lot of tablets to take. That's an act of worship. Or going to the hospital to visit someone. Helping others. Do you remember how Jesus said, you did to the least of those, you've done it unto me. You might remember the story in Mark 14 and Matthew 26 of the lady who sort of put the, the perfume, the nard on Jesus and the others around her were saying, what a waste, how terrible, you shouldn't have done that. It was worship. And Jesus said, what a beautiful thing you've done to me. So what is our worship of God like? I'll give you two gifts that I think I've got in worship that you might think, are you sure? I have a gift of waving. It's very true. I can wave to people like, sometimes, it's happened this week, I'll be in my car, I see someone in front of me that I like, uh, that I know, and I've prayed it a lot, and I've said, Lord, I want my path to cross with other people, and I want to encourage them. So I'll see them in front of me, I'll pick my hooter, give them a wave, they'll look in the uh, back mirror, and, oh, that's uh, so-and-so, they'll say to themselves. Sometimes I might just go up to strangers and say, hello, how are you? Now, this week I was in London and I'd just come off the tube and I saw three Oriental people with a big cross. And I thought God told me, go and say, do you know Ted Ayun? So I did. And they said, yes, we know Ted Ayun. And they said, oh, how do you know him? I said, well, I go to Nuneaton Christian Fellowship. We've been there. And apparently the one on the right was here in January. And then I prayed with them. And they were giving out tracts. And so I just do what God says. It's an act of worship, an act of service. I'm not special. We can all do it. But it's God saying, do this. And as our worship, we just go in London or wherever we are and talk to someone. And God does something amazing, encourages someone. That's good, isn't it? Just speaking to a stranger. This week I prayed for someone on the phone. That it was a cold caller calling from a call centre. And I wasn't interested in what I said. But then I said, oh, but I've got something amazing I want to tell you. And then I started talking about Jesus to him. And he says, it's all right. I'm a Christian already. I've been a Christian for 27 years or something. So I says, can I pray for you? This is on the phone. And I was busy doing other things. And he sort of says, yeah. So I said, what's your name? Robin. And I says, oh, then I prayed for him for 30 seconds or so. Put the phone down. I feel great. And I hope he felt great. I mean, he was expecting someone to talk about double glazing with him or something. But I prayed for him. Just a stranger on the phone. That's worship. We can all do it. We can expand what we're thinking worship might be. We've recently been talking about attributes of God. And maybe we remember that we said we can't do justice to God in our words by talking about him. Perhaps it's the same in our worship. Perhaps just by speaking, we can't do justice to God just through words. Maybe we need to do other things as well. No, maybe. It's a definite in my life anyway. Last week we sang this. Can you tell I'm getting quicker in what I'm saying now? Hopefully you're listening quicker because uh, time is going. Uh, verse 2 of this song we sang, Liturgy of the Hours. We sang it last week. We're going to sing it this week as well. At noon remind me through this day to give my full attention to the ones I'm with. Be mindful of those things around and those within 
and fully enter in. What a great prayer. We could all pray that. Here's some more prayers. Psalm 15, that talks about prayer. Well, so it talks about worship. You can look it all up. It's all on the website. So lots of things there that I've missed out. But this, again, is all about worshipping God, but without singing, without being in church, the church building. We can worship God in so many places. Micah, he has told you, a man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to worship by doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with our God? This is maybe the future. Music, we could do it. Yes, we can. Maybe you're thinking in your worship, you're not a musician. I bet you might be a a builder, a creative person with your hands. How amazing that Lincoln Cathedral was built for the glory of God. And it was the tallest building in the world for over 200 years. That's pretty amazing. How about you don't think music's your thing? You don't think building, doing things, origami or anything like that is good for you? What about relationships? What about making people feel happy, making people feel comfortable, giving them food, giving them love? That's worship. Perhaps it could be silence. I got this from the Quakers' website. You can look it up as well if you want to. They just sit in silence. Maybe you could sit in silence for a day. Whoa, look at your face again. You've said nothing, but you have said something because it tells them what you're thinking. Maybe for half an hour or an hour, you could just be thinking, yes, Lord, moving swiftly on. We're nearly there. What is your worship vocabulary like then? Two more slides. Recently, again, like we've been saying, God is all of these things. God is ineffable. God is love. God is glorious. God is holy. All these other things. So my challenge, my question today is, how will you worship him this coming week? Will it be with singing at home? Will it be with speaking and praying? Or will it be with gardening, giving someone tablets, ringing someone up? Or if they ring you, talking to them about the Lord? That's my challenge to me. I don't want to just be a two-dimensional worship person. I want to be thinking, Lord, you encourage us to worship because you are God, you are our lover, our our creator. Lord, help me to worship you more in spirit and in truth, but also in breadth and depth so that we can give him glory because he deserves it. We're going to pray. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you that we can worship you. Lord, help us, encourage us, entice us, Lord, to worship you more and to worship you differently, maybe. But Lord, with all our hearts and with all our minds and strength as well. Amen.